Welcome to the Make a Baby Podcast. I'm Carolina Sotomayor, your podcast host and Reiki womb healer. I believe that healing is not meant to be done alone, nor should it be. Over the past seven years, I have helped over 90 babies enter the world through the power of Reiki. We explore stories of fertility, pregnancy, and postpartum healing with a sprinkle of spirituality. We also dive into taboo topics, including trauma and pregnancy loss. Listener discretion is advised. Welcome back to the Make a Baby Podcast. I'm Carolina Sotomayor, your podcast host and Reiki Womb Healer. Today, we are doing episode, The Ultimate Guide to Rocking Your Pregnancy Like a Badass with Taylor. Taylor, I'm going to let you pronounce your last name because I don't want to mispronounce it. <laughs> Taylor, thank you so much for being here. Where are you in the world? I am in Kansas City, so fellow Midwest. Yeah. I was just there at the museum, the art museum. Like at oh, the museum nice. They have a mummy there. So Ooh. anyway, I love Kansas City. So Midwest native Omaha and yeah. house. So some of my favorite people. I also interviewed a girl from Missouri. Her name's Amy Joy Murray, and she's amazing. She does a natural fertility awareness method. Okay. She gave the best explanation of like your cycle and your seasons. So I'm a huge fan. Kansas, Missouri. My in-laws live in Wichita, Midwest all the way. So Besides that little caveat, (laughs) (laughs) I saw you on Instagram and I thought this girl has such a cool approach. I love your energy. I love like just like the realness that you bring to the birth world in doula. Can you give a little background of what you do, what you provide and for your services? Yeah. And what I do is kind of changing because I am migrating my business more completely online. Yeah. But I have been a doula since early 2020 and do a lot of heavy coaching prenatally. So my focus Mm -hmm. is prenatal coaching, helping people really understand their options, get in tune with their intuition, really like understand how they want to feel in their experience. So it's not just let's create a birth plan and talk about comfort measures and go over the basics like dilation, effacement, things like that. Like we're really diving in into what happened before in your last experience and or what are your preconceived notions or fears? How do you want this experience to feel? And then how can we create an options like preferences list plan, whatever you want to call it from these options that are available to us from that as being the foundation. So knowing how to maneuver the twists and turns that comes with birth while also taking radical responsibility for your birth and like being in control of your birth. Because I think there's kind of this idea of, oh, just go with the flow, let go of control, which there's a time and a place for that. But I think in our current day and age, we have to take a lot more ownership in order to know what to advocate for and how to maneuver in the birth space. And so, yeah, it's very so heavy on the in the birth coaching. space. Yeah. yeah. There's so much, even just like I gave birth, I'm one and done. And I gave birth in 2016 and I was like the walking encyclopedia of birth. I thought I knew it wrong and everything that could go <laughs> wrong in my birth did. And it was because I didn't heal enough of the fears and the traumas that were like stuck in my womb and that propelled me essentially to do the work I'm doing now but I feel like even like birth and how people give birth like our bodies are not different but the pandemic changed a lot of how things are done and even if you gave birth during the pandemic that looked way different than when I did it in 2016 like just so much and I feel like 
that a lot of first time moms need people like you. It's more than just, okay, these are your pain management options, but like preparing months in advance, getting into the mindset, getting into the feelings of readiness for birth way before two weeks before birth. I find that a lot of women who struggle with infertility, it's not that they wait too long, but it's a lot to process in a short amount of time if we stall and don't do all the readiness, like all of the coaching that you're talking about. And then it's two weeks before you go and it's, oh shit, this is really happening. It's a lot to move through if you're a first time mom and your body and you have a lot of fears to drastically go from zero to a hundred in a two week period or even, you know, before, whereas if we're working on it our entire pregnancy or as soon as we know, it can lighten the journey. It could be softer journey to get to where you want to feel, where you want to go and get as best of experience as possible. Yeah. And if you dive in, I always say, you know, it's never too early. It's never too late. If you want support, if you want to change the trajectory of your birth, you're like, I'm due today. And I realized that I need help. Let's talk. (laughs) But at the same time, you're so right. Like the earlier you start, the better. And if there's so much to kind of dig through, and if you can base your choices on how you want to feel in that experience, you're going to be asking different questions. You're going to be making different decisions. You're going to ultimately have a better chance of having the outcome that you want because you made different choices along the way. But I hear all the time, oh, I didn't even know. I wish I would have known. I didn't know that was even an option. Yeah. 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 A lot of people don't even think to explore and what will the hospital be like? What is the process? Or there's different stages of labor. And until they're actually in it and the nurses are educating them like, okay, now you're transitioning and Mm -hmm. I'm just going to show up and it'll be okay. And that's quite possible. It can be, but Mm -hmm. I don't want to fear monger, but Mm -hmm. the more that you can put into your birth, the better. Okay. So the reason why you're here is that I saw one of your posts in one of your, also one of your freebies is like, What does it mean to rock your pregnancy like a badass? What are the key things a woman needs to decide or what points to consider to feel like a badass? And I'm very curious to like, what does that mean to you? And what do you teach with your clients? And what is that mindset to be a badass rocking your pregnancy? Obviously, it's going to look different for every single person. But I think the underlying commonality is she felt like she was in the driver's seat. She felt like she was in control. She felt like she was an active participant. She was seen. She was heard. She was validated. Mm. That is what it always comes down to. When I talk to women about the flip side, the re- like the opposite, the birth trauma, the things that didn't go well, it always comes down to those moments where she felt like she was being disregarded or she spoke up for something and was told she was wrong or it was a tone of voice or it was the bedside manner. Yes, of course, there are, you know, obstetrical violence things that happen and there are like, you know, losses that happen and trauma in that sense. But then there's also a lot of this negative feeling that comes from just feeling like you were just kind of along for the ride and you're like, well, I was just there and this was happening to me. So what I think it means to be like, to rock your pregnancy, to feel like a badass at the end of it 
is to truly feel like you were the one that was centered. You were the one driving the car. Like everyone else was just there to support you and be around you, but you were really listened to, autonomous, and that's really where it comes from. So for women who might be afraid to mentally or emotionally prepare for birth, is there such a thing as too late? I know we talked about this a little bit, but I found a correlation for my clients who have trouble trying to conceive that it's harder for them to prepare for birth. And what advice can you give? Yeah. So I do see a correlation with women that struggle to conceive and kind of wanting their birth to just kind of be like, whatever happens, I just want this baby. Like I worked really hard to just get pregnant, to just be pregnant, to hold on to this pregnancy. However, it has to happen for me to just have this baby at the end of it is fine. But also we can have both, right? Like just a healthy mom, a healthy baby, or a living mom and a living baby, because healthy can be kind of a spectrum. Are you mentally healthy? What about down the road? All of these questions. But that should be the baseline. You get to have those things and an amazing experience. I don't think there's ever like a too late. I think there's definitely choices that can be made that will make your experience go a lot smoother. You will have to advocate a lot less in the moment if you make those decisions sooner in your pregnancy, 100% that is true. But I think if you are listening to this and you are like, well, shit, I'm pregnant. I'm 38 weeks or I'm due. And I'm feeling that feeling in my gut that this is just not going to go the way I want to go. There's still a lot that we can work through and process and even decisions that you can change now. I mean, is it the easiest thing to do? Is it always comfortable? No. (laughs) Is it comfortable to switch your doctor at 38 weeks pregnant or fire your doctor mid-labor like I did? No, it's not. But it'll ultimately make you feel better. You'll feel a lot better at the end of it because you know that you made that choice that was hard and uncomfortable in the moment. But it's just like boundaries, right? It's like holding true to that boundary. It's like it's never comfortable to have to tell someone like, this is my boundary and I'm enforcing it now. But it feels so good once you do it. I agree. I also believe that birth stays with you. I feel it like totally birth, does. <laughs> your birth experience stays with you. I believe that it can dramatically change who you are, how you operate, how you think, how you react, how you feel after. You know, I used to be so like medical and so like it went every year but after my birth trauma I didn't like my birth experience was traumatic it was very difficult for me to get a pap it was very difficult for intimacy even after there was some things that happened during my birth so I always advocate for what you're saying be unapologetic and it may be really hard. It might be really scary in these moments. I switched midwives halfway through my pregnancy. It wasn't easy. It was through my chiropractor who advocated. She's, you know, it doesn't have to be this way. It shouldn't be this hard. You shouldn't be crying at appointments. She goes, you can switch providers. And I was like, oh, you can. So this is your sign that something's not going your way or you feel like something's off. You don't have to stay. This is your sign to change it and that you have permission 
I have permission. Taylor's going to give you permission. Like you change it. You are mama bear. And I always compare it to is if your kid is in kindergarten or grade school. So when this baby grows up, fast forward five, six years, (laughs) is some little kid is bullying your baby. You're not going to just be like, it's okay. Just take it. You're going to go to the principal's office and you're going to stand up and you're going to be like, what the heck? This is not appropriate. Something has to be done. Suspension, whatever it may be. How can we remedy this? But this is not how you're going to treat my child. I find that when we attach your mom now, your voice now is not just for you and your birthday is also for your baby. When I explain that in a pregnancy sense and we're preparing for birth, it really strengthens the woman's voice in her advocacy, in her autonomy, in her to transition from maybe meek or scared to speak up to, oh my gosh, you're right. This starts now. It's not just when they're out of you, it's in you and how they come out of you and you deserve this. Like you're not going to let somebody hurt your baby. So understand that this matters now. It's the same. It's the same behavior. It's the same protection. It's the same advocacy because there's two of you. So when I put it in that perspective is you wouldn't let, I know because we want this baby so badly and you love this baby so much. He wouldn't let anything happen to them outside. You would fight Neil's fire hell. So bring that same fury to it too. It's okay to get angry even when you're making these decisions. It's okay to be angry at people. And I think that especially if something happens, maybe you have a disagreement, like you were saying, fire someone midway through your birth. Something happened, someone went down. So that means that, you know, you don't have to be polite. You don't have to be polite. You can be mad and you can handle the rest later. Be fucking pissed, yell and move on and do your thing. And I think that too many women I find is I'm worried. No, the only thing you need to worry about is your birth, your baby, your body, and what you want while you are bringing this child into the world. I think that the need to be apologetic or polite, nah, I'm not an advocate for that. If you are in crisis, just say what you need to say and let's get where you need to go. How do you feel about that? Well, we all have those people-pleasing tendencies, right? That's true, especially and, in the Midwest. And, right. <laughs> we never want to make anyone feel bad or, right. you know, there's that thing like the white coat syndrome. Like Super when there's real. that white coat that's there, like they're the authority. They went to school for this. Who am I to say that I know more than them? But just like what you said about your kid and the kindergarten bully, it's would you let someone talk to your kid like that? What would you tell your best friend if she was in that situation? You wouldn't tell her, oh, just take it. So why are you telling yourself to just take it? Right. But some of it comes super subtle. Some of it's not this outward, yeah, like rudeness from doctors or nurses or midwives or whomever. Some of it is subtle and it's just this feeling in your gut. It's just this, ooh, that body language or that tone of voice or the way they answered that just didn't sit well with me. And sometimes it's hard to notice in the moment. Sometimes it's not until after your appointment, you get to your car and you're like, that just felt off. And it is a lot harder to do in labor while you're having your baby. So I do think that it's important to start to notice these red flags in appointments, like your chiropractor said to you, like you shouldn't be like leaving these appointments in tears. I mean, we're all hormonal and emotional in pregnancy, right? right? But if that's not the reason why you're crying and 
if that is the case in your appointments, in your prenatal care, yeah, <laughs> why would you expect wife. it to be different when you're having right. your baby? Like you're not going to get this drastically different human in your birth that's just all of a sudden going to be nice to you or all of a sudden going to be treating you with more respect than they were in your appointments. And so even just that condescending tone, talking down to you, making you feel like you're a child when you're a grown ass adult, dismissing. you know, not fully answering your questions, those types of things, those are red flags. And the analogy you gave was so great about the bully. And the analogy I always like to give is you don't walk into your hair salon and you broadcast, okay, well, anybody who's available and I'll just sit down and just do whatever. No, (laughs) who does that? Like maybe (laughs) if you really trust and you've been going to this person forever, you'll be like, you know, do me up. You know what I like. But if this is your first time walking in here or the stylist, you know, you're just like, okay, yeah, free reign, do whatever. I don't care. We don't do that just because they're the ones that went to school. They're the ones that know how to cut hair. They're the ones that have the skills. We still have a preference, right? We are not going to get a really shitty haircut or a cut in color and go back there over and over again like we're just not we're not going to let them treat us like that this is the same they work for you this is a service they're providing you are the consumer you are the client but we tend to not see it that way when it comes to birth so I like to use that example I think it's super powerful okay so you mentioned you're transitioning from in-person to online fully yes So what is your job title? Are you a virtual birth worker or birth doula? What is your title? I call myself a prenatal coach or a pregnancy coach. I do say virtual doula as well, but I have still had a lot of people reaching out to me for in-person services. (laughs) Maybe I need to drop the doula part because I don't know, like people are wanting that, which I think is invaluable. And I think, you know, if you want in-person support, you should definitely have that. But I also know that there's a lot of doulas that don't have the capacity to give the level of prenatal coaching, education, deep dive, because they're taking on quite a few births and they'll meet with you a couple times, but it might be an hour or two each time. And when you're in my program, we're diving deep. We're really going deep. We're meeting weekly. We're talking daily. Are you doing one-on-one work or group work? It's a group coaching program. The group coaching program. Mm-hmm. It starts the program? with a one-on-one call. It's 12 months, which is on purpose because... Oh, really? That's long. Yeah. So I was noticing a huge gap. My clients were saying, I loved working with you. Everything was amazing, but I really wish there was more postpartum support. And I was noticing, like you said earlier, so much of our birth is brought into how we mother and so many of the questions that were coming up were in the postpartum period. And so I wanted my clients to have that continuity of care of this is the person that I trust that I've been working with throughout my entire pregnancy. They know how my birth went. They know what I wanted. And now they're here to support me still with resources, information, emotional support in the postpartum as well. I've had different types of coaches and mentors, and I love a long-term mentorship and coaching container. And that's just Mm -hmm. because I'm an entrepreneur and I've been in through so many different camps and (laughs) things like that and containers. So I love that your program is 12 months. 
Can you bust some myths about pregnancy coaches and doulas, like common misconceptions? Yeah. So I think a big one is that they're only for home births. They're only for Mm. women that don't want medicated births. And that is so far from the truth. I also think a myth could be that like, you don't need one because you have your doctor. You don't need one because you have your provider. Well, I've got my nurse or my provider or my partner. So why do I need this extra person? Or I took a childbirth class. So why do I need this extra layer? And what I would say to that is, A, when it comes to your provider, your midwife, your doctor, your nurse, they're there for a very different role. And this is more speaking to the in-person doula support, I suppose. Their role is your safety, your health. They're not there to help you curate the experience that you want. It's a great Um, way of putting it. It's a fantastic way of putting it. They're there not to curate. That's a beautiful way of putting it. I've never I mean, heard should it put they, better. Should they still do a good job and not talk to you like your child? Yes, but the people have bad days, good days, and you sure. just never know. Are they working a double shift? There's just so many things, but no. But as your doula, I don't have to worry about your blood pressure and your meds and your baby's heart rate. And yes, I care about those things, but I don't have to worry about those things where your doctor and your nurse does. So it's they don't have the capacity yeah, to sometimes worry about, oh, well, she told me she wanted the lights dimmed. Like I totally forgot, you know, like they're not thinking <laughs> about that. Right. And that's they're not their, their fault. Exactly. Yeah. And then when it comes to like your partner and thinking like, oh, well, I have my partner I don't need added support. And again, I'm speaking more in this sense towards an in-person doula. Your partner's also clueless, most likely. <laughs> no offense. Yeah. yeah Your partner is also going through this. What I've had literally probably all of my second time moms say is, I want my partner to be able to be present this time. Last time Ooh. they like had to be the brain, had to be the advocate, had to be the hands-on support. Like I want them to enjoy the experience too. This is them becoming a parent too, or becoming a parent again. That's super important. Mm -hmm. And so wanting to remove that layer of responsibility from their partner. And also, like I said, your partner might not know any of the things either. Birth is not their forte either. Even if you have other kids, like just because you've you know, done it once or twice doesn't necessarily mean that you know all of the ins and outs, you know all the questions to ask, this birth is going to look different. And then when it comes to coaching specifically, and well, why not just take a course or why not just, you know, go to my hospital birth class, which is I think a common myth of those are enough, is hospital birth class, first of all, tend to teach you how to be a good patient versus all of the options that are available to you. And there's so many great birth courses out there. So I am not deterring women from taking them. I think you absolutely should. And I think even in conjunction with a program like mine, but there's this layer of emotional support that I don't think people realize they're going to need until they're in the thick of it. When you are having feelings about a circumstance that came up or a diagnosis that you got, and you need to process it with someone whose sole job is to like be in your corner, 
it makes the world of difference. Or if you are, you know, struggling with just some of the anxieties about becoming a parent again, or say you did struggle with fertility and now you're in this pregnant body and you literally hate being pregnant. And you're like, but I wanted this. Why? I can't hate this. I feel so guilty. I feel shame now for hating this, even though this is what I wanted for so long and tried so hard to get. You need someone who is going to understand that, who you can talk to, who is a Slack message away or a weekly coaching call away that you can process through some of that stuff with. Because again, our spouses, especially if you're married to a man, they go into fix-it mode. They just want to fix your problem. They're not necessarily going to sit with you and validate. Yeah, that's hard. That sucks. You wanted to enjoy this process and now you're not. And that's really hard. But also you can feel two things at once. You can feel simultaneously so, so grateful for this. And also that this fucking sucks. And that's okay. It's allowed to be both. It's allowed Um, to be both. (laughs) And so I know I'm kind of going off on a tangent, but I think there's this misconception that just sometimes knowing the basics of the, what are my contractions? What's early labor? What's active labor? What's transition? What's the pushing stage? Like, when do I go to the doctor? All of these things is enough. I think sometimes, especially in a shorter class or like a hospital-based class, We get this idea that all births look the same, that birth is very linear. And I like to remind my clients birth is not linear. There are so many variations of normal. It might not look like 511 go to the hospital for you. You might be having 511 contractions for two weeks. No, like birth is not linear. And so being able to have a coach that you're like, hey, is this normal? What's going on? We can talk through that. Maybe I save you from going to triage six times. That's super, it's super important. Can you tell everyone how they can find you on the internet and yeah. maybe work with you? Yeah. So Instagram is my favorite place to hang out. And I've got some really fun lives coming up, which when this airs, they'll have already come out. But my Instagram is my name. So it's kind of long, but it's Taylor Nosakara. And all of my links are available in my bio there. So everything from multiple free resources, a podcast they can listen to and binge the reels. And my DMs are always open. I do have a website with youwellnesskc.com, but that's also linked on Instagram. And I can't like connect with you on my website. So I don't like to send people there because I'm like, send us a voice note. Let us know what you thought about this. Did you have any thoughts? What resonated from this episode? So we would love to hear what you think about this. And Taylor, thank you so much for sharing how to rock your pregnancy. All the stories that you shared, the analogies, they have been super impactful. Until next time, my friends, let the Reiki flow. Frustrated being told you are fine by your doctor, exhausted from negative pregnancy tests every month, wanting a deeper connection on your fertility journey with your spirit baby? The Make a Baby membership is exactly what you need. Using Reiki will help you connect to your spirit baby, heal the trapped emotions blocking fertility, and support you in our life-changing community. With over 90 Reiki babies, we invite you to try the Make a Baby membership for free. Check it out in the show notes. Let's get you pregnant.